0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Entitled Food Podcast. Are you more MasterChef or Great British Bake Off? In this podcast, Sarah, Pam and I are telling you all about the culinary TV we watch and love, the new trends in food programmes and mention that chicken controversy. Hope you enjoy!
1: So this week I have an incredibly important question and I feel like our entire friendship may be based on the answer to this question. No well, pressure. No pressure at all, but you okay. know all of the pressure in the world. Okay. Which do you prefer? Mm-hmm. Australian Master Chef or UK Chef? I don't watch either. Tell me you at least... I oh, don't much
2: either. <laughs> okay. Um, oh my god, no. this might, this might I'm, actually be... I'm neutral. Be, this might actually be worse
1: <laughs> than you prefer in the wrong one. <laughs> neutral
0: <laughs> i have i have a confession i tried and watched the uk masterchef mm-hmm. this year and i completely did not get into it and i wasn't expecting not getting into it because i absolutely love um, a, a french show i know sorry again coming back to my french roots, but i have a french show that i've watched i've been watching for eight years religiously And it's the equivalent to MasterChef, the professional. Okay. Love it. Each year, watch it. I mean, I'm a veggie and I just like look at how they do meat and fish and everything, the aesthetics of it and the fun, the banter. Perfect. I was like, right, this year I'm in the UK. You know, I'm in the UK. I'm going to get into that MasterChef thing.
1: Hated it. (laughs) I, okay, here is the thing. So there are obviously, I think the UK one was the original, you know, MasterChef, Lloyd Grossman way, way back. And now it's everywhere. It's in all the countries. You know, Gordon Ramsay does it in the States. There's like junior versions, there's professional versions. I think the UK one is now one of the worst. And there's a reason why I think it's one of the worst. That, well, I say it's one of the worst. I've only watched the Australian one, which I watch Religiously. It is my favourite show, not my favourite food show, my favourite show wow. in the world ever in the history of TV. Bold. Bold but Bold. fact but factual. Um I've watched these the American one with Gordon Ramsay, who I don't particularly like, but I can appreciate the format of the show. I've watched the New Zealand ones, Do you know. I kind of I get I I've done extensive research now into MasterChef the UK for one for me doesn't work well because you don't get a chance to know the contestants and I think the problem is with this kind of show with tv shows generally that evolve around food Mm. that you have to buy into the people on the show because you can't taste the food and I think what the Australian one does really well is it lasts for about four months and it's on five nights a week it's on six nights a week in Australia some of the shows are like 90 minutes long but the hosts are fantastic like I want to be best friends with the hosts they've all got um so it's three guys it's Gary Meehan, George Columbaris and Matt Preston two of them have restaurants one of them's a restaurant critic and they really understand food they're really passionate about food but they have these contestants on it's the same 24 contestants from day one and one of them eventually wins so you buy into them as characters whereas I think the UK one because it seems like people are on and off in about 15 minutes. Like, they do these introductions to people, and you're like, well, I don't really care because, hmm. like, I, I'm never going to see you again. And I think that's why, for me, the UK one doesn't work. But it's like the voice, it's kind of
0: like the voice, the preliminary stages, yeah. when you're just like, I, I will never hear you ever again I just, you literally a two-second slot in my day,
2: so it's like a it became a reality show in Australia because it's like six six nights. Yeah, like I mean a week. It,
1: that's... it is a reality show. I mean, there's no form of voting. It's all purely on you know what they think. And um, two people a week are eliminated. And they do. It's kind of around the the same premise as the UK one. There's challenges, but their challenges last over a few nights. It's not okay. Come and do this quickly, mm-hmm. and then you see six people. Frantically cooking something for four minutes, and then two guys who are a wee bit stale, if we're being honest, um, and don't understand what chicken rangbang is. But that's a whole <laughs> other thing. I've got a lot to say. One. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've got plenty to say about that. But I think that it's just it's given more room to breathe. It's clearly got a much, much bigger budget. Yeah. A huge budget compared to the UK one, and I think it's just. A much better show. You're gonna have to watch it this year. So it's about to start in the Amer- uh, in Australia now, because they've started showing little trailers and stuff on it. It will usually broadcast here. It was on Watch TV, but I think it's maybe on like Lifetime or something like that now. Um, and it usually starts around about September time and finishes close to Christmas. So is it like so super big that there's actually a
0: hardcore UK following, like a, a massive? <laughs> You're, a, you're not an odd one out, is no, what I'm saying. You, you, no, no,
1: there's like there's <laughs> fan pages and stuff like that. It's a really it's without doubt one of the most watched programmes in Australia
2: and it's something that's transported all it's like exported all across the world. I did used to watch many, many years ago, I guess when this started. The Chef. I'm, I'm not sure. Is Gordon Ramsay in the US one? Yes. Like the kids one he, as well? I think he does all. Well, yes, he was. Because yeah. I watched a few of I them. I love the children's one because I thought that was like the sweetest version of Master Chef because Man. no one can be mean because they're children. <laughs> so. like, you know, Gordon Ramsay is known as like this really bitchy, angry uh, person who swears a lot and he just like calls people idiot sandwiches. So, <laughs> but the children's one, he's like this, bubbly sweet like encouraging person yeah and it was like so pleasant to watch because you're like oh they're talented they're five years old and he just doesn't want to make them cry and it's so sweet but yeah (laughs) but is there something
1: a little bit precocious about nine years old nine-year-olds who can come on and you know cook like michelin star food
0: well i mean i don't know i think that the, the awareness of good food for some reason has come back into like, you know, before we were like, oh, kids are eating really, really, really badly. But the, with the access of, like, social media mm-hmm. to a younger age, I think they have more of a realization of an aesthetics that mm-hmm. I did yes. not even yeah, realize was a thing when I was nine years old. It doesn't mean that I was eating bad food. It's just, like, I couldn't care less how I was looking. Whereas now, I think there are nine years old that are on Instagram and are taking food of a um, picture of their food in a, an aesthetic manner and very much realise this. So I think it, it yeah, I,
1: I, I think it's very much a thing of its time. I it do well. I think it's, I think kids taking an interest in food and where the food comes from and how to cook the food properly is good. Let's take a sidestep on this actually. So tangent, there was a school in the north of Scotland whose home economics teacher um, spoke to a local games farm and got pheasant from them and had her, I think it was her fourth years, so maybe her third year. So, you know, you're talking 14 to 17 year olds, you know, that kind of age bracket, had them, I think butcher the pheasant and make fajitas. Mm-hmm. Maybe she didn't have them butcher Maybe I just made that up. Mm-hmm. But the kids made pheasant fajitas and loved them. Okay. And I think it was amazing because you're, they're, she's trying to show the kids that stuff doesn't have to come out of packaging in supermarkets. Kids should know that. But also trying to introduce something seasonal, Mm -hmm. local into their diet, you know, that's not a McDonald's. And she did get a little bit of trolling about it, which I thought was really unfair because I thought it was was really interesting. No, I think it's definitely
0: the whole... You you see it pop up. I I mean, in France as well, there was a couple of instances through those kind of programs about food and health in um, uh, schools um, where you literally, they ask kids... Where does this come from? Like, where chicken nuggets come from? And they're like, well, it is from a pack, and they have no idea why. So I think an awareness
2: of it comes from an actual animal yeah. is a good thing. Yes. No, okay, in Japan, right? Uh, children between I think like four to eight or four to twelve, they are being taught about nutrition and the importance of cooking and cleaning at at a ripe age. So basically, yeah, yeah. So in school. Uh, every single week there's a router and then uh, each student has the responsibility to prepare food for their classmates and then you know so they learn about nutrition what goes into your food what the balanced diet is they cook it for their classmates their classmates show appreciation for the food that they've learned how to cook Mm -hmm. and then the classmates clean up after them so and then it becomes a rotation so it becomes part of their culture and their Mm -hmm. habit to grow up into adulthood, knowing how to cook, knowing how to have a healthy diet, knowing how to clean yeah, and we've, organize. We've spoken about this. It's really really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great. I think it's. I know that this is a complete
1: sidestep away from TV, but I thought it was really interesting and in actually just talking about the kids and food, how important it is for kids to understand where food comes from.
2: Yeah, it's really clever. I think. So, Which so,
1: MasterChef can help well, a wee bit? Any TV, any TV show where they're talking about food, I think that engages kids. Is. Mm-hmm. Good when it's not trying to sell them Mars bars and McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so since you heathens don't like MasterChef Australia, favourite TV shows then they, they talk about food, obviously. Oh,
0: um, about food. My my favourite one is probably so that that one in France that that show that is basically MasterChef the professional. And on the flip side of this, you know how Gordon Ramsay does so the MasterChef. USA, mm-hmm. and how he does... Um, is it the Kitchen Nightmares where he goes to places and hell's it's kitchen Hell's nightmares. Kitchen when it's disgusting? No, that's and Kitchen Nightmares. You're kitchen right. Nightmares. Yes, yes, yes. So, one of the jury in mas- the, this French master chef is actually the Gordon Ramsay that goes into food, um, to restaurants, and mm-hmm. hotels, and stuff like this. And this weirdly enough, is probably even topping the MasterChef France. It's like, that's my actual favourite. I what? don't
1: know why. But I do is, not know why. What is it called? It's it's
0: basically a nightmare in the kitchen. So it is yeah, so kitchen like, nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: same. And I'm presuming, my Britishness is about to show here, I'm presuming they talk French and it's not for export outside of France. Not French. at all for export. It's okay. like they talk, this
0: guy is this massive kind of, rugby man a uh, big guy tall like looks like bold and very like, rah, 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 rah. but actually towards the end he always has like this kind of you know heartfelt emotional discussion with the owners and he gets everybody <laughs> back on track
2: and it's beautiful but i that's, see. that's
1: essentially what gordon Ramsay does yeah, it?
2: i think it's the drama behind it that, that because i love Kitchen nightmares as well. I love seeing the drama unfold and, and the owners getting so upset and they're so stubborn and they break down and then eventually they accept the fact that they were in denial. But okay. <laughs> is it scripted? Is it is it scripted. It's, well, it's scripted. Well, it's scripted. I'll tell you why it's
0: scripted because I watch it so much that I realized something um like in a past episode. So the guy the guy, the presenter, arrives in a hotel restaurant thing and um, the whole point about him uh, getting heated is because the, the, the place is closed where it should be open and he's like well if I was a client like I'm, I can't even get in I can't even get in but obviously the whole thing is filmed from the other side of the door yeah. <laughs> so I was like well mm. clearly mm. the cameraman had to go inside yeah. and film you so yeah. <laughs>
2: somebody's yeah, yeah.
1: somebody there
2: Sarah, favorite TV show then? Um, oh, okay, I have many. I watch too many, probably. But the first thing that's on my head is that's on my head, that's in my mind is and which is on your head. Yeah, which is on my head. It's actually uh, from a YouTube channel. So I've mentioned before that I watch a lot of YouTubers and a lot of YouTubers who talk about food and. There is this YouTube channel called Eat Your Kimchi, and it's a couple of Canadians. They lived in Korea, and now they live in Japan. Okay. So what they, what they do, well, they love Japan, and they've assimilated to the culture and everything. And they not only do travel videos, and they talk about the culture of Japan, but they also do a lot of food videos so they go to certain specific places to try Kobe beef for example or wild boar or they try different types of ramen that you wouldn't even think there were so many different types of ramen and they do like these food porn shots Mm -hmm. yeah in slow motion Uh, with like commentary and like sparkles and you're just like whoa my mind is blown and the thing is like as you said you fall in love with the personality absolutely yeah so I love these two so much because they're such darling people and they're Mm. so real they're not they're not as staged as Gordon Ramsay, for example, they're more, they talk to you as though they're your friends. Mm-hmm. So when they're telling you about food, it's like all the love that they have for this food is transcended through the video and then the passion They're passionate about it. Yeah, they're so yeah. passionate about it and I love watching people who love food talk about food. Yeah. So it was that, that they are my favorite YouTubers and most of their food videos are my favorite food videos. Yeah. do they do
1: restaurant reviews then or is it just trying stuff do they cook uh, they cook too but
2: they're not like a cooking show they just like to try
1: to the cook just things like, see yeah. that's why I like I've yeah. discovered that when watching cooking shows I don't actually like watching people cook that much mm. do you know I buy the personalities more than the cooking because I watch I, said, I know that you and I had spoken about YouTube channels recently and I thought well I'm going to go and have a look because I don't watch an awful lot of YouTube I'm going to Google like who are the top 10 best foodie YouTubers, you know, and that kind of thing. And the things I found I like were people that were doing like challenges mm-hmm. and I liked sorted food. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. They're they amazing, guys. I love them. These were guys that are basically, by the way, producing a TV show. Do you know this is not them. this is not an internet YouTube show mm-hmm. anymore. These guys are like a professional outfit. Clearly they're incredibly well funded now, everything's well thought out. They're completely on brand they're really nice guys by the looks of things I don't really care how they make ice cream I don't care how you know how they're cooking stuff I more just like listening to them chat Mm -hmm. so like I don't watch programs with like who's the guy that goes to Spain it's not Michael Rue but somebody Mm -hmm. like that you know and they do tours of France or Italy and stuff Mm -hmm. and they cook food on the beach and that's of no interest to me it's a a competition element or some kind of entertainment where you buy into the people rather than the food i found. So talking about that
0: kind of YouTube um, bubble, would you say that you like watching people eating stuff? I'm going to explain. So I've seen this... Are you talking right? about mukbangs? <laughs> well, I... Uh, Yes and no. So you have the mukbangs, right? Which is a thing that is huge on the internet. It's one, like, an area of the videos on YouTube that are the most watched, right? Mm -hmm. So that's massive. But also, I just like stuff like wee reviews of... Not junk food, but for example, I have like a, a YouTube channel, a woman called Amy in Japan and she's from uh, Japan originally, but she lives in the US, but she always like when she goes back to Japan, for example, she buys all those amazing Kit Kats oh. and I just and I watch her and I just like she's like, oh, this is a raspberry mocha Kit Kat that is so completely wonderful and beautiful in itself
2: and she, and I just sit
0: here and just watch her.
2: <laughs> I know who she is. She's very descriptive with her, with the way that she talks about food. Right. She has, like, a wide vocabulary on how to describe, like, Kit Kats of matcha flavor or, like, sakura flavor. It's And the way she talks about it, she's quite a slow talker as yes. well, right? So she's very articulate. Like, she slowly breaks the Kit Kat and then she puts it in her mouth and she takes some time to, like, actually taste it mindfully and then explains what she's tasting. It's
1: oh, like fascinating to watch, yeah, yeah. I am on the whole interested in people eating food, but there's <laughs> this one guy on Instagram that makes me laugh. Right, his Instagram um, handle is something like um, my kind of eats, and it's this guy who is from somewhere in America and has moved to I think it's like Hong Kong or something like that for a year to teach English or something like that and he posts instagram pictures occasionally but on his insta stories he, it all it's all food all he talks about is food he goes to these restaurants and eats food and he does this face that i know for a fact that all three of us make whenever we eat food <laughs> of like oh my god this is the best thing i've ever <laughs> eaten and it doesn't matter if it's like noodles or it's a burger or it's sushi or you know just really enjoys the experience of being out, having good food and things like that. And it always makes me laugh. And that's the only time I always look out for his little Insta story pictures because they're like maybe two or three a day. But this guy is just like, ah, this is amazing. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I want to eat that. That's the only one I watch because he makes me laugh more than anything else. But other than that, I know that the eating craze in Japan is massive. Like people will pay money.
2: Yeah. And I find that the weirdest thing in the world. I can tell you all about that. It's basically... I think it started mostly in South Korea. And they have like this online... It's not even on YouTube. It was on their own platforms in Korea. And basically, they live stream themselves. Like these tiny women... Who are maybe smaller than Audrey in size, like really, like just tiny. for our listeners. Audrey yeah. is
1: really small and Yeah, tiny. Audrey she's is tiny. She's like a
2: little person.
1: Yeah, she's,
2: she's like she's like a little hobbit. She's queen. Not really, <laughs> not in any way. No, is she's Audrey queen like a in hobbit. size, but <laughs> these women are pocket size. Okay, but they they order like a, a dining table full of Korean street food or Korean uh, just dinners. And they eat it themselves in front of this camera, and live streaming it in front of people who will comment and provide these things called balloons, which is a currency. So the balloons pay for the amount of food that she's bought. That it supports some of them have made like hundreds yeah. and thousands of dollars mm. just it's based on eating in front of the camera. And I find that like that's a whole new level of employment in my opinion. Like, can I do this? I want to get paid to eat this. <laughs> <well>. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: So, not one of you, on top of not watching MasterChef Australia, and frankly, I'm going to we'll have to go and reevaluate both of our friendships, <laughs> have mentioned Bake Off.
0: No, yeah, well, I was going to say, when we were talking about it, and I'm like, of course, Bake Off, of course. I do. It, it has a special place in my heart, because, obviously, I'm not British, but I've embraced the whole culture that's around it. I feel... And Bake Off was one of the first, li- not live TV show, but you know, like a program yeah. that I've actually set in front of my TV at the same time, um, every, what um, was it, used to be Thursday, was when it used to be TV? Wednesday? Yeah, but it changed because it changed yeah. channel. Um, but that's something that I've been watching religiously, so yes, yes, Bake Off is something that I love. And I also love the new version! So Controversial!
2: I. Okay, I don't have a television, that's probably why I don't... <laughs> <laughs> what?! Yeah, that's probably why I don't watch these shows, because I don't have a television. Millennial. So, this is why I'm always on YouTube and I rely on Netflix.
1: Now, do you want to know? I'm quite surprised that you've never seen Bake Off, especially the new one, because you strike me as a Noel Fielding fan. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? Do you not know who Noel Fielding is? No. Okay, so, I'm walking out. <laughs> okay, that's so thank you very much for listening Bye. to the podcast. This was <laughs> the last one. <laughs> so, you, you understand that British Bake Off was a BBC programme. Yeah. And they sold out last year. And the production company moved it to Channel 4 because Channel 4 paid mega, mega, mega money for it. Okay. Which BBC couldn't compete with. Mm-hmm. So all of the hosts, except for Paul Hollywood, boo. boom, <laughs> Decided they were staying with the BBC. Okay. They weren't going to Channel 4 because I think there was a bit of concern amongst fans of what Channel 4 would actually do to the Bake Off. And would they Channel 4-ify it? Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, So the first thing they did was they announced the presenters. And the presenters were to be Sandy Tosvig. Tosvig? Tosvig. Yeah, Tosvig. Mm-hmm. Um, who's a quite funny kind of straight comedian. She's very good. Mm-hmm. And Noel Fielding. Noel Fielding is of, what was his show? The Mighty Bush. The Mighty Bush. He's quite alternative. He's quite quirky, oh. But he's quite funny. Like, And I think he would like him. So when they announced the presenters, I must admit, I did think, I am not watching this show. This is a riot. Mel and Sue forever, I love them, <laughs> but I have to tell you, I, I love freaking them. love Noel Fielding. Oh, really? I think he is doing, and Sandy Toxford by the way, both of them as a partnership, mm-hmm. are doing the most amazing job and I find them just as funny and enticing to watch as Mel and Sue. But
0: I'll tell you why as well. I think um, I was, I'm, I'm a big Noel Fielding fan, I love him, but I was... When they announced it, I was like, ooh, because I'm used to the British Bake Off. And I was like, I don't see it. If Noel Fielding does a Noel Fielding to the max, it would not have worked. But I think the production team behind it very cleverly Mm. introduced him. And balancing him with Sandy was amazing. And he has... Not that much airtime when you think about it, but just the right moments, and it is perfect in it. But I
1: also think that Mel and Sue didn't have that much airtime either. It's they used the the hosts sort of very pivotal moments in the show, and I think they've done an amazing job moving it from the BBC's Channel Four. And I don't feel other than the adverts, and if you do what I do, which is just watch on catch up TV anyway. It doesn't stop for adverts, you just skim right through them. So I think they've actually done a really, really good job, and I'm very impressed with their move to Channel 4, other than Pop Hollywood. Boom. Yeah,
2: <laughs> no. Eventually I'll watch it, because I know the whole hype, like all over my Twitter, is always about Bake Off, well, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. It's <laughs> on Netflix. It's on the Netflix. Is it? Yeah. All so right.
1: the, the new season isn't, but if you go back to season 1, and mm-hmm. I actually saw a few people speaking about this um, in the last couple of weeks, it's only just gone onto Netflix, talking about how episode 1, season 1 was like a YouTube channel. It was, like, <laughs> it was like Amateur Hour, because remember, it wasn't even on BBC One, it was on BBC Two to start with. Right. It was some throwaway show that you know filled an hour on a Tuesday night that nobody was going to watch, and by the end of it, everyone was utterly obsessed. So they took, from the next season on, they started you know, to invest more. I think John Lewis came on as a yeah. sponsor, because John Lewis's name was everywhere, yeah. And, um, and yeah, that's how it came to go. But episode one, season one, you watch it and you think this is not the same show that's on now. But of course it wouldn't, because yeah. it was what ten years ago, yeah. twelve years ago. Do you know a number of years ago wow. anyway? But also, like just a wee side story
0: on this is that um, the France um, kind of equivalent to Channel Four was the one who bought the rights uh, three or four years ago of the British Bake Off, uh, and I tried and watched it. Absolutely hated it and I will tell you why it's because they're trying to do Britishness on a French channel uh, Doesn't work no. does not translate for me. The the bake-off is British There's a reason to it. the tone that it has it is British and people all around the world are tuning in and watching it Because it has
1: this British bubble and it should not be adapted No, I've has anyone adapted adapted other than France because I know that certainly I've seen a few like massive hollywood stars speaking about the british version do you know they like who was it was it anna kendrick that was on something like graham norton was talking about how she couldn't believe that paul hollywood hadn't gone with bbc and had gone with channel 4 and, and do you know all that kind of thing but how it's like a, a massive mm-hmm. export for for well i was going to say for the bbc but actually for the uk mm-hmm. yeah. but um but yeah i find i find that really really interesting but yeah it's the Britishness that works it's the presenters that work and that's
2: i'm curious now i will watch it
1: you should watch it we'll revisit this because i think you would really like it but again it's got that really nice thing that i like from food tv about it's a competition and what i always get quite frustrated about and sometimes i do it myself especially on twitter is people complaining about well how could so-and-so get through and -and so-and-so didn't get through how do you know what that tasted like yeah do you know, like, you're, you're buying into, it's a personality contest, yeah. really. Yeah. Like, okay, it looked absolute shit, but maybe it was like one of the nicest things you've ever eaten, because sometimes I know I make stuff and think, this looks like rubbish, and you eat it, and you think, oh my god, I'm like a food genius, <laughs> and I think that's the thing with food programmes, I think people take it at face value, and food should not be taken at face value, because it's not always about how something looks. It's about how it tastes. It's true, and it's I true. think that's with Bake Off because people get really passionate about it. I think sometimes they forget that they're not actually tasting the food, and it's a food competition.
2: Well, that okay, I can bring that back to the rendang scandal. Ah, crispy rendang. <laughs> yeah. How do you see so, it? Rendang. Run. Say rindang? Rindang. Yeah. Okay. That.
1: I don't have. I don't have the palate rindang. to be able to say that. Okay. What
2: is that? So it's a it's a traditional Malay Malaysian dish where it's like it's it's kind of like a stew, but it's a dry stew. So when you know when the chef uh, when the judge on Master Chef said that the rendang chicken skin should have been crispy, like Malaysia imploded because they were like. <laughs> We should, what are you talking about, crispy chicken Ronda? We should point Sorry. out here: the Prime
1: Minister yeah, of but, Malaysia <laughs> tweeted, tweeted, tweeted about the this judge. <laughs> because I think because the judge kind of tried to stand up for himself a yeah, little bit, and he kind
2: and, of failed. And Malaysia basically went, "No, no, mm. you're wrong." It was oh it, it was the the best thing that ever happened, like two weeks ago, I think, because okay, so basically he made this judgment. His comment was that. Uh, the chicken skin is not edible because it's not crispy and then you know everyone was criticizing him saying like he knows nothing about food because chicken rendang is not supposed to be crispy it's like a stew blah 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 etc and the funniest thing about it was that he was trying to defend himself saying like oh maybe chicken rendang is not even Malaysian it's Indonesian and then like that basically angered <laughs> the, the whole Southeast Asia because everyone in Southeast Asia was like, everyone in Southeast Asia loves chicken rendang, so we're going to take ownership, all yeah. of us uniting against this one judge who criticized chicken rendang. It was yeah. the best thing ever. I was laughing so hard for days. Like, but again, just goes to show you why a Master Chef is so much more <laughs> <laughs> But Chef. the thing is, okay, yeah, my, my point was that The thing is, I don't know if her food tasted good because chicken rendang is a very meticulous thing to cook. It takes about three... Like, preparations can take a day because there's so many ingredients to prep. And then when you cook it, it takes three to four hours because it's a stew. In MasterChef, it's like 90 minutes? Maximum. Something like that, right? So she made nasi lemak and she made rendang. So Mm -hmm. my question was like, why did she make rendang in the first place knowing that there's this time limit and how would people know how it tasted like maybe his comment was incorrect because he doesn't know what rendang is but then again maybe it didn't taste good like maybe it wasn't soft enough maybe it wasn't well, you know they did come out to defend themselves and say look
1: that's not why she got eliminated mm-hmm. we've only got 60 minute show it got, she got cut exactly. because it just didn't taste that good and of course it wouldn't taste that good because she's tried to make a stew which is normally yeah. cooked over many days yeah in an hour
2: yeah exactly so i I mean like in his defense even though his comment was a bit a little bit ignorant maybe blown out of proportion as well by media yeah absolutely probably it didn't taste as good as something that you can get back in malaysia for example but
0: it is to show that food program nowadays do get a lot of following and it's just like it's something that is out of scale i've never seen this
1: like 10 years ago you would not have thought about something like this massive massive business well, ladies, I want to talk to you about Netflix shows and things like that, but it's like the end of our half hour together. Aww. Like time. Do you know what? I feel like Netflix TV, food T V needs its own oh, yeah. podcast yeah, yeah, it because does. it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I think we'll touch on that another day. Yes. Yeah. So All right. you know you have to tune in for that yeah. episode to come out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Nice chat, ladies. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to the Entitled Food Podcast. As always, don't hesitate to follow us on Instagram to get updated on our next episode at The Floating Designer, The Ginger Ale, and Glasgow Food Geek.